Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. In other family-related news here, since a lot of people just got done being with their families, and some people feel obligated to spend time with family members that they don't like. I don't understand this. I don't either, man. I, I mean, I, I kind of do because when I lived in the South around my family, I did feel obligated to go to these, these get-togethers that I absolutely okay. hated. So you do understand it then? Yes, but I didn't go most of the time. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> the obligation must not have been very heavy. I felt the obligation, but I was like, yes, and it's stupid for me to be obligated to go spend time with these people with whom I have nothing in common. Maybe a lot of people absolutely want to spend time with some members of their family, but unfortunately those members of their family feel obligated to hang out with the other ones and the, those ones, you know, so and they suck. It ends up a big group and you'd rather mm-hmm. just hang out with your cousin or whatever, you know, something like that. I don't know. Stuff like that can happen. But if it was just like, I hate everyone here and you're going, that's on you. Now, um, I, haven't been to a family gathering in quite a long time, so you know it's Same. been a while. Basically, since I left uh, Florida, I've had no real reason to go to any sort of family gathering, so I haven't I haven't had this problem at all. And even back in the day, I guess I was fortunate enough to where I didn't really have any real issues with anybody in my family. It wasn't a problem to to go to any of these places. But I've I've heard plenty of the horror stories of the you know terrible uncles or whoever you know somebody in your uh, somebody who's got a religion that uh, is contrary to yours or a political view that's contrary to yours and always wants to go at you over it. And you know you're never going to persuade them on anything. So, like, why even bother opening your mouth? Right. It's frustrating. Well, in a lot of cases, it's not that, you know, I would dread going and spending time with my family. It's just that there's no reason to want to. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, oh, I, I hate these people or, you know, we, we argue all the time. It's just I don't enjoy spending time with them and they don't enjoy spending time with me. It's not... That the experience is negative, there's just no positive to it, so why bother? I get you. Well, apparently some people do bother, and according to studyfinds.org, it turns out that most people go sit on their toilet, whether they have to or not, in order to avoid spending time with their family members. That's a horrible idea. They're all going to think you're pooping. <laughs> so what? Everybody Everyone does. <laughs> the last thing I would be concerned about. But, well, uh, if you're going to go run away for some reason, go to the grocery store or something like that. Not, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, everyone, 30 minutes later, and then you come back. That's a horrible idea. They're all just going to be like, she was pooping. That's well, weird. Yeah, again, I, I, that to me wouldn't bother me, but I think your <laughs> uh, your point is, is well taken. You could certainly excuse more time if you were out going to do something. Oh, whoops, I forgot to go get those beers for you guys. I <laughs> need to run to the store. What it would be interesting to see is breaking down uh, the results here on the, the parents who are frustrated and seeking refuge in the bathroom. Again, saying 62% of parents do this compared to 23% of people who don't have kids. What about the parents who planned their children versus the parents who had them accidentally? I, I wonder if there's a difference in who is interested in having their kids bug them while they're in the bathroom or not. Does that change the results? I suspect it would be extremely difficult to find any significant percentage of people who planned to have their children. You think right. so? I, I suspect most people it just sort There's of happened. Of people. And, really? I, mean, I, I think you're right. I think probably most people it just happens. But I don't think it's as small as you think. I, I think th- I, I've mostly heard of like the girl planning the baby. 
without that makes the, sense. without the dad's consent, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, the dad obviously consented, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there are ways to not have a baby you if just one does have sex. Well, yeah. there are still other ways. Well, I, I think what she's saying is that the girl she's talking about would secretly stop taking birth control. Yeah, something right? like that. Yeah. So that's so immoral, man. I think that's really immoral. <laughs> Uh, not surprisingly, children between ages 3 and 12 stood out as the loudest members of the household at 61%, twice as loud as teenagers, and three times as loud as adults. So, like, half the time that they're with you, they're going to be obnoxiously loud, essentially. Age 3 to 12, that's roughly 10 years. The survey conducted by one poll on behalf of Masonite also suggests their average respondent needs between four to five hours of private time per day to feel their best. 77% still need that private time, even when they're hosting family or friends in their house. And almost 81% think it's important that they create quiet or private spaces within their own home. However, two out of three of them, 63%, claim that sound travels relatively easy through their home. Enough that half of them frequently hear noises in other parts of the house when on a phone call or video call, including televisions and sound systems, appliances, and other members of the household talking or moving around. So basically, it's just saying families are really annoyed by one another, <laughs> it sounds like here. I, I have always had lots of noises going on in my house because I always have lots of siblings. Like, lots of my friends would comment, like, there's always, like, lots going on in your house. Lots of little kids and stuff like that. So it never really bothered me. I guess maybe if you're like a sing or you're like an only kid or something, you grow up and you're like, I want to have kids and you have a bunch of kids and you're like, oh, I didn't expect them to make noise. Then maybe it would annoy you. See, I spent time with my Liberty family, like my chosen family, as people would call it, uh, because that's evidently a thing. And I didn't realize that until, you know, a few years ago when someone had brought it up to me. Yes, I do have a chosen family here in New Hampshire and Mm -hmm. I enjoyed Spending time with them on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It never... We did double, uh, double yeah. dinners at the, uh, the local Indian food place here and it was wonderful. That it was never hilarious. felt like a burden or an obligation or a responsibility. It felt like, hey, here's a thing I can do. I'm going to go do it because I want to do it, not yeah. because I'm required by some weird sense of obligation to do it. I and... agree. I was, I was sick this year for Thanksgiving, but the year before we went to some Free staters, uh, house with like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like 30 other free staters there. And it was just so nice. It's like a great memory to me. There was no one there that I didn't like or n- didn't want to see or anything like that. It was so great. Yeah. It was a good one this year, uh, too. And like you said, you were sick this year, so you couldn't make that one, but you were at the Christmas Eve and Christmas day and, yes. uh, Muhammad, uh, at the Indian restaurant was very happy to have us. Always a treat to be there. And apparently, uh, you know, he was, he was hustling because he's like one of the only places open in, in Keene. Door dashers were running in and out constantly. Yeah. I remember on so. Christmas Eve, he remarked, you know, where, where are all the customers? And I didn't think about it until like 20 minutes later, but like, well, if you didn't have it on like 53 degrees in here, there, there may be <laughs> some more people in here eating, but he does keep it pretty, pretty chilly in there. Yeah, he, he has does. his like coat on while he's eating or working. But it's also New Hampshire in December, so you kind of have to expect that. No, not really, but it is more of a takeout place. Anyway, that's if you don't live here, you don't know who we're talking about. But it was <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, if you uh, if you ever make it up to Keene, be sure you check out uh, Curry Indian if you like good Indian food and you like to pay with cryptocurrency because you can do that there. They also take cash. You and I can't ta- right. I can't pay with <laughs> cryptocurrency there, but other people who are not restricted by bail conditions and pre-sentencing conditions, I guess in our cases now, uh, are are able to do that. Bonnie, you had a kind of a family-related story you've been wanting to talk about here recently. 
and that is that apparently a woman in West Virginia has been told by police she's not allowed to let her kids outside under certain circumstances or just any old time. Um, I don't think she's allowed to let them outside, not by themselves at all, unless the, even if they're being watched through a window, but... Mm. Um, just they can't, they have to have someone physically outside with them, which is ridiculous. When I was a little okay. kid, I'd go all around the neighborhood, you know, and, yeah. um, off where my parents can see me. That's the fun of being a little kid is like, now I don't know how old, we're going to find out how old her kids are here in just a moment, but I remember going off, you know, back into the woods or whatever behind the neighborhood where I was growing up, probably at age five. I mean, I don't I'm, know about five, but like young. between second and third grade, I was definitely wandering around the city by myself. Okay. So yeah. I don't know what. That's what, like seven eight, years old, yeah. right? Seven, eight years old. All right. So what are we dealing with here, Bonnie? Are we talking about like a little infant crawling around by themselves? My or? parents were terrible though. So that's not like. <laughs> I was going to say city. I don't know what I had to think about that. I had to think about it for a while, but like in my neighborhood, it, there was just like. Like, you could easily get into some kind of wooded area. You're still, like, in the neighborhood, but your parents wouldn't be able to just call you and find you. You'd have to have, like, they'd tell you, you know, like, be back at this time or in a couple hours, and then you'd keep sending someone to go check the time to their parents' house, that kind of thing, you know? Like, your parents didn't know where you were, Mm. but they knew you were fine, and then you'd come back for dinner, you know? That kind of thing. This says, this is from Fee, by the way. The Foundation for Economic Education? Yes. Emily Fields, three kids, a boy aged four, and two girls ages six and eight were playing outside. The Fields Four, lo- six, and eight. Okay, got it. Now, in that case, four seems a little bit young, but the four-year-old's with a six and an eight-year-old. But so in it's this not- case, the four-year-old isn't off in the woods by himself. Yeah, but I was going to say, even if he was, he would be with likely these other two children. So he is being watched by children. I mean, eight years old, I mean, that's that's somebody that is not like... They they can kind of take care of themselves. I'm not saying they're a mature individual right. or anything like that, but at eight years old, my parents had no idea where I was in the neighborhood That's at any point. Yeah, not four, but definitely eight. And we didn't have cell phones back then either, by the way. Thank so you, God. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was talking about about getting someone to go check what time it was. So you would just have to. Go home at some point, and yeah. that's then you're home. And if something happened out there, which nothing ever did, but if something happened, then they would have to come looking for you or yeah. something, right? Like. That's the good old days. Anyway, what else? Says the fields live in the quiet town of Petersburg, um, in rural West Virginia. It was there on a May afternoon in 2021 that Fields' four-year-old kicked a soccer ball across the road towards the neighbor's cat, which he avoided hitting. We have David in New Mexico on the line. Go ahead, David. Who's bitching? Just bitching. Thanks for asking. And um, I think oh, he wants what, us to start asking how he is. Go ahead. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, yeah, do please. Oh, uh, nah. watch that. I didn't get a chance to, pardon? No, nah, we don't do that here. It's just a waste do of what? time. Asking people how they are. It's just waste of time. Yeah, I don't care. I don't really care. I mean, in general, how people are anyway. Yeah, so just, just go ahead with your point. What do you got? Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Um, the, I was, didn't get a chance to finish telling you about, uh, uh, some courtroom experiences that were similar, uh, to, or maybe similar to what, uh, you experienced, or maybe somebody could find these things useful in the future. But uh, first of all, yeah, uh, West Virginia, those uh, hoopies, they're crazy, man. My crazy uh, ex-baby mama, she was uh, from rural West Virginia, and the mm-hmm. stories that she would tell. So, um, court, uh, so two things. One. How are you, David? The- <laughs> I'm, doing gr- I'm doing great. Uh, there are you. Thanks for asking. Bitching, just bitching. 
And, right, go ahead uh, your, so, your court story. Yeah, well, I'm bitching, man. I'm continuing with the bitching. So, um, and I was bitching about uh, Judge Emma Gazmora. I was going to tell you two things that happened in her courtroom that are similar mm-hmm. uh, or that might be similar to what you experienced, or maybe somebody could make use of this. So, one, I was on the witness stand, and the, uh, the hostile opposing attorney was cross-examining me. And he asked me a question, like all attorneys do, that, uh, to which they already know the answer, because they never ask you a question that they don't already know the answer to. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to, uh, to, you know, to uh, get their little scenario going. And um, so he asked me a question he knew the answer to, and that was uh, um, they, were trying to, they were trying to permanently separate me from my kids, and, one, and there were two criteria they needed to meet. Um, one, was, or well, they both were, one, have you had any contact with them in the last six months? And two, have you uh, uh, supported them financially in the last six months? And, and when I responded to him, um, because I never give them what they want, never give them uh, yes, no, I said, you already know the answer to that because the reason that I haven't seen my children in the last six months is because of the legal paperwork that you filed to prevent me to, from seeing mm-hmm. my children. Wow. So you already know the answer to, to that. And as to whether I had uh, supported them at all financially, you already know the answer to that as well, because as part of the hostile action you took against me in the, in the courtroom of Judge Angela Jewell, there, you know darn well there is an order, a judge's order, ordering that I do not have to pay child support so let's go back to the story here. West Virginia, you've got a mom who has uh, got some kids. I think it was four, six, and eight, if I recall correctly. They were out. She says her sister was on hand as a outside you know, with chaperone them. or whatever. She was monitoring things. And a little four-year-old kicks a ball at the neighbor's cat across the street. He missed. That's why I don't know about the definition of this place as rural, right? It sounds more like neighbors. suburbia. Well. Who knows? Uh, I mean, you could still have, I guess, a suburb in a rural area, but regardless. Yeah. Uh, so he kicks the ball, misses the cat across the street, but apparently the the uh, neighbors saw it happen, so they came outside to yell at him. Yelled and at him, took his ball. And mom then... came over with the son, the four-year-old, and wanted to have him apologize. And Why that's were the neighbors left. watching their cat outside? I mean, that, this seems unusual in and of itself, well, right? Maybe they just saw something happen, whatever. So maybe what they hate the kids already, I don't know, but... Uh, it says the neighbors yelled at him and took his ball, so shit fields the mom. Well, they're out of line there. You never yell at someone else's kids. That's true. I wouldn't yell at them. I'd be like, Kind of hey. like an adult. You are an adult. Act like one. Yeah, yeah talk to the sister or something. Like, hey, you gonna, mm-hmm. did you see what he did? You know, I don't know. But e- either way, these people obviously seem like uh, trashy. B- trashy, bad people. Yeah. Um, so fields the mom walked her son to the neighbor's house to apologize. They began to scream and yell, says fields. They said that they were going to call Child Protective Services every day until her children were taken away. Karen? The neighbors did indeed call Child Protective Services. The wow. agency dispatched two caseworkers to investigate the soccer ball incident the very next day. It turns out this was not the first time CPS had visited the house, the mm. Fields' house. Okay. They were there in 2018. Let me see, when was this? This was May 2021, the soccer ball incident, but CPS had been there 2018 uh, when officials told Fields her children, then two, five, and six, were reported playing outside. <laughs> the children were not unsupervised. Okay. Fields was watching them from a window, but this apparently didn't placate police officers. 
They informed her that the children must be supervised at all times until they are 13 years old. But they were wow. being supervised. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Well, now, wait a minute. I thought they were saying that about 2018. Um, well, no, this, we're still in 20, 2018. Yeah, they were supervised through the window. Okay, okay. They're two, They're saying that's five, not and good six. Enough. That's not good enough. They must be mm-hmm. physic, like, cl- closer supervised, I guess, until okay. they're 13. Can you so, imagine? Okay, what if she had a face shield on? Is that, right. is, is that also against the rules? Because, I mean, it's just a piece of glass in the way at this point. <laughs> what about a piece of plastic? Wait, wait, can, can she wear a raincoat? <laughs> at what point are there too many things separating her from her children? Right. I mean, I realize we're all laughing at this, but I'm being honest it's here because it's just a, it, it it's so glass. Maybe the window was even open, mm-hmm. right? As she was watching them through the screen. Okay. But this time they were being supervised. The sister was there. So what did they do now? What happened this time around? We know she was told that she needs to always be supervising the kids in 2018. But what happened this time? The author of this uh, article started talking about how only Generation Z ever got to play out, or Generation X ever got to play outside. And, and that's such an annoying uh, stereotype. Like, people are always like, I'm from Generation X, so I got to play outside on Super... And it's just like, everyone did. People are doing that now. Like, my little brother and sister play outside on Some people are. I mean, y- your parents sure. were decent parents, and but apparently they lived in a place where they didn't have a bunch in my of snitches. played outside. It wasn't like, like, your parents let you play outside? Everyone Weren't you like on know. a military base too, though? She was. I was yeah. only on a military base um, up until I was eight, okay. and then not again until I was seventeen. So I don't know. I, I I could be on a military base or not on a military base, but if you're not right where your parents can see you, it kind of you know counts. Um, you know, you can still get snatched or whatever. Well, I guess. We didn't hear stories like this when we were growing up. Then again, we wouldn't have known because we didn't listen to the news, right? Like you didn't necessarily know what kind of things were going on. But you sort of get the impression that these kinds of stories just didn't happen back in the day and that they happen much more frequently now to the point where I was surprised that this was a rural West Virginia story instead of it being, you know, New York City. That's what I was going to bring up. I don't think it's a time thing as much as like a area thing. Because it's just like people in normal places, like not the middle of the city mm-hmm. right now, will let their kids go out. It, it makes sense to not want, if you live in an apartment in the middle of the city, to not want your kid to go out where you can't see him. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe we're dealing with a future soccer player here, but I know mm-hmm. four-year-olds and I know cats. And I know what across the street means. And I'm yeah. having a difficult time imagining a scenario where a four-year-old is good enough and strong enough at kicking a ball that he poses a legitimate actual threat to a cat across the street. They move right. pretty fast. Those I don't cats. think I could hit a cat across mm-hmm. the street with a soccer ball, and yeah. I'm and I'm a grown adult. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so like you, they have it. Yeah, they'd be able to see it coming from a long way away. They're really fast. Let me mention the, the accuracy that would take. Yeah, there's no accuracy for a four-year-old. But mm-hmm. you you made the point that these neighbors who complained about this, and to the point where they're calling child protective services on this mom. That they're overreacting big time. They seem to have it out for this lady. Well, they started screaming at the kid. Right. They screamed at the kid, called Child Protective Services. They got it out for this mom. They want to call CPS every single day on her, they say, until she gets her kids taken away from her. I mean, they literally said that, too. I mean, that's not like us exaggerating it. They say, we're going to call Child Protective Services every day until your kids are taken away. Now, look, I don't want to just say, uh, I mean, it does sound like they're overreacting. I will definitely grant you that. 
But we don't know what the other side of the story is. We don't know how trashy the other mom is, right? This could be like two trashy families who are constantly warring, the Hatfields and the McCoys or whatever. <laughs> Didn't that happen in West Virginia? Anyway, I don't know where that happened. But, uh, but it could be I don't be know very... about that. What is the Hatfields and the McCoys? I don't even know. I know. They're like the I've classic feuding families. The Hatfields and the McCoys are the classic not that Capulets and Montagues or yeah, I guess them too, but uh, <laughs> but the, the Western, I guess maybe it's I think the Hatfields and the McCoys were out west. I'll have to look it up. But uh, so let's hear more about this story. So CPS gets called in. What else? What else transpired here, Bonnie? Do we know? That's the rest of that's the rest of the story. The mom is not being able to let her kids play outside by themselves and uh, faces the real, very real threat of having her kids taken away. Because they said until she, until the kids are thirteen years old. They're not allowed to play outside by themselves without supervision. And that is absolutely insane. It is. And they really needed to find supervision here, right? Mm-hmm. Because the mother was watching from the window initially. Not good enough, they And say. it doesn't sound like the sister watching them was a problem because she was told this in 2018. She yeah. was told. But then in 2021, of the, what they're calling the soccer ball incident, which wasn't an incident at all as far as I can tell, the kids weren't taken away. If there had been a warning in 2018 and she was still violating it three years later, it stands to reason they would, the, the penalty would have escalated mm-hmm. a bit. It would have been another warning. Hey, you, we've already told you, you can't let your kids play out here unsupervised. So presumably the sister being out there was good enough. Um, well, it says after the soccer ball incident, the family was coerced into signing a safety plan. Oh boy. And Lenora Skenazy points out the family could have their children taken away if they're found to have violated it. It's interesting you mentioned Lenore Skenazy in that story. I, yeah. Having I had not read that story at all, and but it, you know she does tend to pop up. She's sort of like the go-to uh, lady to talk to about these issues where parents are being told on apparently now in rural West Virginia that they can't let their kids grow up. They can't let their kids do the things that they need to do to achieve that independence that is so important for for young people to achieve at some point. I mean, why do we have young people who are well no longer young anymore in their 30s or 40s still living at home with their parents these days? Beyond the economic aspect of it, which you're going to see I was going to bring up COVID. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see more of not just COVID, but inflation. You're you're definitely going to see more family members moving in with one another. But normally in the United States, sort of this this there's this thing about independence where, you know, when you're a kid, you want to get out from your parents' house. And you've got to have the ability to develop that as a young person, as a child, in order to further that necessity in my mind a necessity of separation from from your parents the birds pushing their you know little kids out of the nest that kind of thing like i i don't understand people like my age who call their moms every day like there's so many people that i know and a lot of a lot of my friends have told me that sounds like a white people thing so i don't know if that's true but i just don't talk to my mom every single day like i've Maybe I can't you, even imagine calling my mom that often. Like calling your mom. Like anytime you have a problem, I gotta call my mom. I, I can't imagine it. Seriously. And it's not like I don't like my mom. I like her. It's yeah. just that I don't even think she's gonna fix this for me. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak as to that. From what I understand about people, I mean, you're right, Ian. Most people do want to be independent. They don't want to be reliant on their parents. At least the people we know. I mean, maybe most people don't want to be independent. But well, like, these people, these Karens don't want these people to be independent. Right. I mean, they, they won't, they don't want the kids to be allowed to play outside. They want them to sit outside on their iPads watching, you know, Nickelodeon or whatever, growing up to be nice little mask wearing in sword inside. 
terrified of passing other human being types of people. Yeah, that's scary. That's me. what they want. And that's what these sorts of rules are going to get. You can't leave the house without mom right next to you until you're 13 years old. I mean, that's like you're almost old enough to legally work a job at that point. Right. Like that's not that's not the time when you're just going to be exploring the woods behind your friend's house or something like that. You know, at 13, you're like you're ready to start like yeah. working and becoming even more mature at that point. Like, I don't know about working, but like going to other people's houses and being alone and doing mm-hmm. things like that, like going to the mall, going to alone, the movies with your friends, movies, that, kind of thing. Yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. But but maybe not these days. Maybe uh that's the intention here is to keep young people as childlike as possible for as long as possible. Isn't it curious how the American education system fails in these two peculiar ways where either someone is so spectacularly bored with it that they end up failing mm-hmm. or it just cannot reach them and they end up learning nothing. So they're either too intelligent for the system or right. the system just can't reach them to teach them anything in the first place. But so who exactly does it serve? The if state. it doesn't serve the the dumbest portion of Americans or the the smartest portion of Americans, well, it definitely dumbs people down. It definitely yeah. does not allow them to rise to whatever their potential. And, Certainly not. And it wastes your time. Like I, I think about all the stuff I learned, quote unquote, in school, and it's just like if I w- had somebody who really wanted me to know a lot of stuff, they would have taken a different route, and I could know so much more from the time I was, you know, zero to. 18 than what they got us to like oh yep. now you know about the robber barons and the propaganda know, just stupid proper propaganda that doesn't help me with my life and isn't even interesting well john taylor gatto uh who i passed away some years ago but he was like the teacher of the year in new york state for some amount of time uh he's sort of known for outing the truth about the government indoctrination system and he says it's this Prussian system that is basically designed to turn out a worker drone. It's designed to turn out people that do not question the system, people that will sit on a jury and believe everything that the government tells them, hook, line, and sinker. These are the kinds of people who graduate generally from from government school. They've been indoctrinated uh, for, for years, for 13-plus years, into believing whatever the government tells them. And never really learning how to break out of that system, never learning about entrepreneurialism, uh, just being told, okay, well, what you have to do is you gotta go to college, you gotta get a degree, you gotta have a career, and then you gotta retire, and make sure you have some kids in there too, so we can keep having taxpayers. One of the dumbest things I ever experienced in high school was when my U.S. history teacher wanted us to memorize every U.S. president in order. Oh, my God. So useless. The yeah, years never, they never were in office oh, and their political affiliation. And people wow. did this, right? I have really small handwriting, so I just made a cheat sheet, and, and I cheated through <laughs> it. And I'm proud of that because to Good. me, the idiots were the ones who wasted precious hours brain and cells hours, and yeah. time memorizing this useless garbage information. Wow. You know what? That's uh, another thing about just memorizing information that always bothered me is like one time my teacher, who was pretty well-meaning, she wasn't like the worst actually, uh, because a lot of my teachers were kind of better at my small, even though it was a government school, government school in the military base mm-hmm. because like I, I don't even know what it was maybe it's the smaller class sizes but some of them are actually better well she wanted us to learn all of the constitution and it was like nobody really was getting it like nobody wanted to do it the whole thing um i, I don't know if it was that or the we had to learn that we had to memorize the preamble, the preamble. yeah 
Some of the most horrible injustices happen to me in the school system. They they seem little, but to kids, it's a big deal. Like one time, I had to sit next to this boy named Brent Brendan, and I was in fifth grade, and. <laughs> Uh, it makes me so angry to think about it. Like, I was always telling the teacher, like, Brendan was annoying me. Mm-hmm. And he was purposely annoying me and stuff. He was just like a little crappy little kid. And I was just like, I literally wanted to be there and learn. And so many times, teachers seem to hate me for being smart. Like, they d- they didn't like that I raised my hand every single time. They didn't like... Wow. I got that a lot. Like, they wanted to cut me down so we're all the same size. And um, she didn't, like, listen to me about uh, not liking Brendan. And he was like doing eraser shavings on a paper and then blowing them onto my desk. And I just grabbed his chapstick and threw it at him. And I, we both got, or not at him, wait, across the room. They sent you to the office? They sent us both to ISS for the rest of the day. So I didn't get to learn, he didn't get to learn for the rest of the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was was fifth grade, so it was just like, I just had to sit in a room alone with Brendan and a mean teacher. Right. And there was no, like, she didn't (laughs) want to hear it. Did he keep messing with you in the ISS as well? I don't remember that, but I just, I just think it's ridiculous that it didn't matter that I had, I had no recourse for this guy annoying me. And my reaction was that of a five, or not a five year old, a fifth grader mm-hmm. was throwing his chapstick across the room because, wow. uh, what else am I supposed to do? And it really pisses me off every time I think about that. <laughs> and that lady was obese like Melanie, like oh mo- probably worse than Melanie. And seriously, I just, I think that people that are that obese, they can't think right. There's some friends of the show, Jay, Jay Noon. I think we can talk about this. I think they've been somewhat public with what's been going on. Yeah. I think uh, he called and talked about it on the air once, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Where uh, somebody called the government, I think, what are they called here in New Hampshire? DCYF, I think, Department yeah. of Children and Families, Youth Services or something like that. Anyway, they uh, they came and they, Jay knows better than to talk to these people, right? Like, okay, well, you know, come back I, with I warrant. almost feel bad for the people who went there yeah. to talk to Jay, right? He had a video camera. Which is another important thing to do. If these thugs are going to come and try to interact with you, you better get it on the record. Because you don't want them lying about what was said, right? So mm-hmm. if you're going to say something, get it on the record. But even if you're not going to say something, and you probably shouldn't, uh, then get that on the record too. Get your refusal to speak to them uh, on the record as well. Like, uh, I don't answer questions. Record all with interactions with police and yeah. bureaucrats. Yeah. Always. Come back with a warrant. I don't answer questions. I want my attorney here. That kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you sign an agreement with these people and then they get even deeper into your life. They, they dig their claws in, uh, even deeper. So here's a story from KQED. Assistant Professor Brett Mallon begins his evening Zoom session at Kansas State University with a question. When the students hear the word conflict, what associations do they make? Many first responses are decidedly negative. One student says, I would say avoid it at all costs. Another says argument, awkward conversations. The list grows as students make emotional associations they have with conflict, stress. I, I don't like this at all. So this is a public school teacher asking kids what they think about conflict because there's this thing called social emotional learning and, mm-hmm. uh, they've been trying to like survey kids. They ask them really, some things will just be like that. Like, what do you think of when you hear the word conflict? And the other things will be like, has your parent, have your parents ever smoked marijuana around you? And, uh, they're giving the parents the, or the kids these surveys without telling the parents and then, uh, deciding whether or not the parents are bad parents based on it or just like deciding to put the kids in basically like therapy in school, which isn't what kids go to school for. And, uh, they've investigated parents over that too. If their kids say my, my parents smoke pot, the cops will come knocking. That's happened before too. And, and just some of it is just so personal that it shouldn't be, uh, like talked about. 
in school, like, you know, when was, have you had sex yet? And like, uh, what age did you first have sex? Well, in sex? this case, this is a little different than what you're talking about. This is a college where the students are choosing oh, okay. uh, the courses in which they're getting into, right? So that's a little different than forcing a bunch of children into yeah for some, some reason sort of i thought you had said high school i'm no. just surprised by how loaded it is like my first response is like a strategy game right like mm-hmm. like the board game risk or something like that. that's what i think of when i think of the word conflict is like a war strategy game well and indeed uh some students had those associations stress discomfort war only one student suggested that he thinks of conflict as an opportunity for growth a lot of these quote-unquote mental illnesses are just regular human emotions. Like, it might mm. be normal to be like, you know, like, have a moment sometimes where you're like, I don't actually deserve this. And then later you're like, you know what, actually, that that was just me having anxiety and it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have imposter syndrome. Like, right. just oh, a moment. So people yeah. will read that on the internet and be like, oh, that happened me to me. Too. So yeah. me too. So right. I must have that. And then they instead own that, of, and then they become yep. that, right? Yeah, right. So uh, it's self-diagnosis, and yeah. I, I think that's one of the biggest problems in the United States today, or just in the West in general. If people hear about some sort of mental illness or whatever type of illness, and they go, "Oh, that sounds exactly like me," and then they check WebMD or the mm-hmm. mental illness equivalent, and just like that, they have Twitter becomes their Twitter bio becomes full of mental <laughs> illnesses that they've been diagnosed with, but they've never seen the therapist in their life. Like, I'm sorry, but. Anyone could go to the doctor and get Adderall. Like, everyone that has Adderall tells me, like, you don't understand. I feel lazy sometimes. And it's like, I could easily <laughs> go to the doctor and tell them, like, listen, sometimes I'm lazy and I sit there and I don't do anything. And then they'd be like, yep, you need Adderall. Or I can't focus because there's something else on my mind. That's mm-hmm. it, Anyone can go to the doctor and get Adderall for that. Like, it doesn't mean you have something. Malin, Isn't that what caffeine is supposed to, like, do? <laughs> Instead of pumping uh, Adderall, yeah. drink a cup of coffee. Yep. I suspect Adderall is a little more intense, uh, but I don't know. Malin's- yeah, yeah, but you know why jump straight to crack if you know what you want to do is get high? Maybe try pot first, right? Maybe before you jump straight to Adderall or meth, try try a cup of coffee or Monster if the or coffee kratom. doesn't work or kratom. The professor in the class says that uh, students talk about conflict like it's this terrible thing. Is it that they're afraid of conflict, or are they lacking in experience? Probably a little bit of both. Seminars and classes like Adulting 101 are becoming more common on college campuses, though. I didn't know that was real. They say a growing body of evidence is beginning to suggest that the problems of, quote, adulting and mental health in college students may be rooted, at least in part, in modern childhood. Research shows that young people are lacking in emotional resilience and independence compared to previous generations. I was going to point out that, you know, we're going to laugh, and I, I imagine the the most common take on this is to laugh at the college students who, ha, 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 they have to take a class on how to be happy or whatever. But this, It's sad. It is sad, and it's a failure on the parents. It is. It, it's not a failure on the child who grew up to be, you know, useless, who doesn't know how to be happy. They were taught they were instructed on how to be by their parents, and their parents were the ones who failed them. In and school, it never was supposed to teach kids how to be adults or how to be happy and things agreed. like that. It should have been their parents. Yeah, and of course, this is what baby boomers and Gen X mostly that we're talking about here yeah. as the parents in this in these cases. But I do wish that um, I, I wonder if I meant to say Keene State has an adulting 101, and if it's possible to just take one class so I can come just back and report on it. Is. I'd be so, cause like, uh, imagine what is the yes, government school? Yes, you can, school? by the way. You can take one class at a college. Hmm. What is the government school teaching people on how to be happy? I really doubt it's anything I would actually agree with. Well, 
Only one way to find out, Bonnie. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, schools have a, the colleges and prof- and universities have a wide range of different professors. Yeah, there may be something useful in there. Who knows? Like my, one of my English professors, uh, I don't remember the exact name of the class but in college. She was a hardcore conservative, right? And mm-hmm. I knew that going into the economic paper that I had to write. So I mm-hmm. took that particular perspective, but. And you got a good grade. I did. Yeah. But you also have, there's this mythology that you're going to deal with mostly ultra liberal professors and maybe. Probably true. But not necessarily. The problem has been growing in tandem with rising rate of anxiety and depression. Perhaps exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic and has left colleges scrambling to help and adapt. A executive director of the Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation at Boston University, Dory Hutchinson, says some parents have been parenting differently. They have this value of success at all costs. She says, I'd like to describe it as some kids are growing up developmentally delayed. Today's 18-year-olds are like 12-year-olds from a decade ago. They have very little tolerance for conflict and discomfort. And COVID just exposed it, she says. Research. I don't think this is true. I was seeing people suggest online that they had PTSD from their parents debating at the dinner table and stuff like that <laughs> long before COVID-19 ever happened. No, I agree. That's a good point. But I'm not sure what she means when she says COVID just exposed it, but she is saying it's been there for a long time. But for whatever reason now, it's maybe it's just being seen. No, now you're more. finally having to look at it. Now you can't blind your eyes to the crap that society's been spewing out for the last two decades. Students of all backgrounds are arriving on campus now with significantly less experience in dealing with life's ups and downs. Many even see normal adult activities as risky or dangerous. In a new study... Did they give any examples? I I bet they didn't, but one thing that I can say is, like, it seems like all the people that I watch on Snapchat and stuff that are just, like, 21 to 23, mm-hmm. they act like dating... And going to the club is some kind of dangerous thing. And I don't understand. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's no, meeting, me. meeting homeless people under the bridge is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but dating and going out to clubs is not, is not dangerous. There's this one really famous one on Snapchat whose name is Alyssa McKay. And she's like the most followed person on Snapchat right now. Ian is shaking his head because he hates when I watch her. But I don't know why. For she's some terrible. reason, her life is fascinating to me. While at the same time, she's kind of annoying. Well, she's 22. <laughs> and she like went to Italy with her friend. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I, that looks like it'd be really fun where they are and stuff. And they were all like, we are not going to clubs. That's dangerous. And if a guy oh, looks wow. at us, we try not to make eye contact with in Italy. In Italy. <laughs> and she's 22. And it, I don't understand why, why are you, you even following choose? this person. I I, 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 like I ask I said, her this every it's time. It's like fascinating. <laughs> Maybe it's like watching a train wreck. You know, okay. one of those things. Is well, that like what I'm it's always like? complaining to Ian about her. Like Ian, mm-hmm. look what. Listen to what Alyssa is talking about. And then I I know that <laughs> that seems weird, but it's just my entertainment. It's like my guilty pleasure. Like I used to watch lots of um, not Real Housewives, but what is that called? Reality TV. Oh, okay. Well, this sounds like when you're saying they didn't even want to go to a club or make eye contact with a male on the streets of Italy. I mean, this sounds like stranger danger. Well, that's how danger. you get cooties. Right. Well, this sounds like stranger danger, you know. Rich, go ahead. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, first of all, Aria, um, I think you're beautiful and brave, and I think, uh, well, I wish that your hair color was available when I was a kid so the hot chicks could wear that color hair. I think you're awesome. Thank you. Nice. All right, Rich, what else? Um, look, you guys are going through an extreme cold spell right now. Um, I was doing a bunch of research, Dr. James Hansen and a bunch of other people. We are getting colder. 
the global warming thing is kind of passe at this point. Uh, global climate change is occurring. And I was curious if you guys have done any research and wonder if there is a libertarian solution to clean up the mess of the carbon output of the world right now. Well, my solution would be to let nature take care of itself, right? If humans are producing too much carbon, then eventually we'll make the environment so inhospitable to humans that we won't be able to go out there and produce more common and more carbon and trees will end up thriving while humanity goes on the decline and these things will balance out. Nature has always um, sort of gone toward a balancing act. Maybe humans won't survive the transition, but if that's the case, then humans just weren't fit it. to survive. Yeah. I also don't tend to really be too concerned with this. I think that uh, people tend to overblow their own importance uh, as far as the the face of the planet is concerned. What do you think, Bonnie? Well, I think that nuclear sounds, from what everything I've heard, like the most efficient and good and clean way to do energy. And I also think that there's lots of uh, technologies that have been uh, pushed back and not been allowed to thrive because of, you know, corporate interests merged with government forcing uh people to not be able to do it and i think that we'd have a lot of things that we could do differently if we were allowed to do them differently without the government in our way rich yeah that's good and fun actually you're talking to a guy who worked on board a nuclear vessel for six years of his life um yeah it's one of the options uh but i'm seriously concerned just reading the science about what we're doing to our earth right now. And we're probably, I'm not going to go an Al Gore route and cause I'm a right winger, if you will, I'm not going to say we have a hundred years to live, but I think the earth is in serious in peril as a direct result of what we're doing to it right now. And I think serious change needs to be made. And I'm wondering again, how does the libertarian philosophy, no slight to Bonnie for not answering it, but the rest of you guys, how do we get this right? Well, the the question is flawed, right? You said the earth is in peril. It's not. The earth is going to be just fine. Human society may be in peril as a result of humanity's actions, in which case, again, the problem will just fix itself. Well, one thing's for sure. The government isn't going to make this problem better. So I would say the libertarian answer, if that's what you're looking for, is that the government should have absolutely nothing to do with it. If it's going to exist, they should butt out and, uh, and preferably they should just go away entirely and then let the market decide how to handle these things if indeed there noticed, are problems. What I've noticed about like pollution is the government doesn't stop companies from polluting. They give them the roadmap of the way to do it without getting in trouble. Those same students also had fewer positive emotions when describing risky situations. She hypothesizes that when students have fewer opportunities to practice autonomy, like if they have helicopter parents... They have less faith in themselves that they can figure out a risky situation. Quote, my suspicion is that low autonomy seems to translate into low efficacy. Low efficacy and a combination of stress is associated with distress like anxiety and depression. Or just not being confident or secure in one's ability to navigate life. That would be what efficacy is in her mind, right? And, and I would agree with that. I just don't see why she has to drag anxiety and this other crap into it. These people are just unprepared for life. Okay, so what can we do about that? Well, that's what's causing the anxiety and the distress. Right? Isn't that what college is for, though, is to help these people ease into life in a relatively safe way where they're not likely to get, you know, 
gang no. raped while they're walking home at two college o'clock in the morning because they're on college campus. That's well, what it's becoming, but college is. But that's for what that. it's always been, right? You know, you don't want you don't want to go straight to New York City out of at eighteen years old, never having lived alone, never having been away from your parents. But th- this is why you live in a dorm and you have You're your dorm mother to report to, you and you don't have to worry about getting attacked I never by did people. That. I think that I didn't need it, but we are the average person. Okay. <laughs> it, it seems like that's a, it's a thing that maybe need isn't the right word, but it's a thing that some people do want. Like mm-hmm. I think it's weird. Like I, whenever I was going to graduate, I was valedictorian. I already had credits with this one school in Utah. I could have went to because I took college classes in high school, and I just was like. I just don't want to do that. Like that, I can't, couldn't really put my finger on what it was, but I just didn't want to do that. I just worked. I never had. I borrowed money from my parents like twice ever in my adult life. Mm. It was because like a serious situation happened with like my car, and I paid them back. Nice. And I just have never wanted. That's I didn't responsible. Want, I didn't want to take the six hundred dollars a week instead of driving. I was just like, I don't. I couldn't really put a finger on what it was that I didn't like about it. It's not like I was really like being ideological about that. I was just like, there's something in me that's like, I don't want to do that. And I didn't want a college degree bad enough, obviously. I think it's some level of, I mean, and it's not to say it's a bad thing, but pride. You you know, you want to take care of yourself. You want to be able to handle these things on your own. There's some level of pride, and it's okay to have that, I think, in yourself. Being able to navigate life without having to run to mommy constantly. That's what these people are doing, though. In recent years, other uh, psychologists have made similar associations. Author and New York University ethical leadership professor Jonathan Haidt has used Nassim Taleb's theory of anti-fragility to explain how kids' social and emotional systems act much like our bones and immune systems. Within reason, testing and stressing them doesn't break them but makes them stronger. But Haidt and First Amendment advocate Greg Lukianoff have argued in their writing a strong culture of safetyism, which prizes the safety of children above all else, has prevented young people from putting stress on those bones, so to speak. So, quote, such children are likely to suffer more when exposed later to other unpleasant but ordinary life events. And this is something that I've been pointing out for a long time on this show. And I, I don't remember where I saw the term, but I... Uh, I forget who coined it but i called it the the childification of america trying to keep young people as childlike as possible safetyism is a new version of it and boy what did we see come in hot and heavy during covid but stay safe yeah stay safe I that's still why hear- ian hates that so much like if anybody just uh you know from the kindness of their heart tells ian like drive safe we'll walk away and you know be like ugh hate when people say that to me. I well, I mean, because I don't safety. prioritize safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when, when I think, oh, okay, I want to do this, uh, the safetyhood of the action isn't usually something that I have to stop and think about. Yeah, I mean, t- to me, drive safe is one of those that I am frustrated with because I, I used to use that. Hmm. And then within the last couple of years, I've made a point to stop using that. And I'll say, enjoy the ride instead of drive safe. And it's just hmm. a subtle, it's a subtle shift, but it, it shifts away from safetyism and mm. towards enjoyment of life, right? And now, I like that. Yeah. Now we have you can't even smoke cigarettes at 18 anymore. You have to be 21. That's right. Yeah. On uh, nationwide. That's nationwide yeah. now. That's nationwide. Yeah, that was federal. Yeah. Well, it was Massachusetts that went first, and then it then went Keen. federal. Yeah, and Keen, <laughs> Keen did that too. Wow. Uh, oh yeah, San Antonio did that. I completely forgot. Yeah. 
I didn't know it was federal though. No, it's federal. I still hear the stay safe thing all over the place. I was listening to, uh, you'll hear it when you call, uh, places. It'll be on, you know, voicemail systems or whatever. I heard it on a, I was listening to a trance music show and it was like, you know, really killer music for like two hours. And then right at the end, it was stay safe when they were wrapping up the show. I'm like, oh man. And you can't say it any other way except stay safe. It's just so weak. (laughs) I mean, this entire time I've been responding to that with, I'd rather stay free. Yeah. And I think I first heard you say that to someone in response to, you know, stay safe. It's, I don't want to stay safe. There's no fun in staying right. safe. I don't want to. I want to go skydiving. I want to have a parachute when I do it. But yeah. I still right. I enjoy the risk, the rush, yeah, the adventure yeah. of life. Well, that's the difference between caution, right? Like being cautious and and smart and being constantly worried about things. Let's go to Amanda in Georgia. Amanda, you're on Free Talk Live. I grew up in the 70s, so our parents kicked us out of the house all day long. We were gone from as soon as we got up until the lights went out or the lights came on and the sun was going down. And I think that made us more adventurous because we would get into all kinds of situations playing in swimming in creeks that had alligators in it. And I think a lot of the kids nowadays, <laughs> unfortunately, are brought up by my generation. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're remembering, oh, I, I got in trouble for doing this. So they want to keep their kids from doing that. Mm-hmm. But they've made a bunch of pansies. I'm sorry. They're I mean, just- I could kind of understand the point of view of a parent who's like, man, I remember what I did when I was, you know, wandering around unsupervised and I was swimming with alligators and crap. So I don't <laughs> want my kids doing it. So I could sort of understand that to, to an extent. But it's so extreme what they're telling kids to be afraid of. I mean, it's it's not unreasonable to say, hey, look out for alligators. Don't go over in the swamp or yeah, whatever. Yeah, just set boundaries. That's what but, I'm thinking. Like, you know, but uh, yeah. but to not let your kids outside at all. I mean, Amanda, do you see this with your friends and how they take raise their kids? Yes. yes. I left home at 14 and traveled cross country by myself. Wow. And um, you know, several times and. Nowadays, my nieces and nephews, they won't even go to the next town. It's like, Mom, I need you to take me somewhere. Auntie, you know, I need you to do this. No, do it yourself. You know, it's, I, I just don't get it. You're okay. saying, when you say they won't even go to the next, what was it, the word town? They won't go to the next town? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, where I lived in Florida, the Walmart was in the next town over. They mm-hmm. didn't want to go there by themselves. They had to have their mother or ask me or their father somebody to take them over there because it's like it's five minutes away yeah i remember riding the the county bus back in the day as a little kid you know all by myself i was no big deal and i see people nowadays with their teenagers going to the bus stop and sitting there and waiting with them (laughs) i had to walk now to the bus stop and every time i walked a mile to school if you were within a mile of the school you had to walk yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have a bus come get me in middle school because we were within like a mile and a half or something. So mm-hmm. I remember being like, ugh, I don't want to walk. But at the same time, I was, I felt like I was one of the cool kids because I didn't have to ride the bus. That is pretty sweet. But now don't they pro- provide buses for kids that even live close? Isn't that a thing they do now? Yeah, and the parents will sit there with them in the morning. Let's talk to Chris uh, in Michigan listening in Jackson to WKHM. Go ahead, Chris. You know, if I remember right, we started 16. I think, uh, I think, um, that, uh, hitchhiking was 
legal at 16. You could uh, you could hitchhike at 16. Anyway, Hitchhiking's yeah. illegal? I thought yeah. it was legal at any age. I didn't know. But uh, my dad yeah. said that he picked up a hitchhiker when he was teenage. Like, he would pick up hi- hitchhikers when he was a teenager. Oh, interesting. I now, probably- hitchhiking is illegal on, like, some highways and some interstates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems uh, kind of, like, possibly scary. I've done it once. There's definitely a lot of scare, scary I've stories about I've picked up hitchhikers it. before. I, there's a reason I don't know. Do you want, okay, well, well, let's get Chris's story here, yeah. and then uh, maybe we'll have time for that. But, Chris, what else? Go ahead. Well, you know, when I was 14, if you want to go all the way back as, as far as you can, uh, totally on my own, uh, 14 on Sundays, uh, I would go uh, ride on a bicycle that I had my bike. And I would go uh, be all gone all day, and I would go to a lake, probably seven eight miles away, and I would have fun all day. And I would come home, and I would do that every week, and I did it all summer. And uh, while I was going to school, and I bet you weren't a fat little boy either. Oh yeah. No, I I I I was good. Right, biking around like that's going to keep you in good shape. Eight miles biking. Yeah, I worked all week. with our brothers and sisters down the, down the road at a big farm, we worked all week and we had we had our own farm and we. Would now, how old? Just before you go on, how old were you when you were working on that farm? Oh, I think uh, I think I remember ten years old. Yeah. See, this is another thing hmm. that uh, that young people are not ex- exposed to in recent decades or whatever is the government prevents them from legally working. Until they're 14, and most places won't hire at that age because there's all these stupid government rules that are on top of how you can or can't work. Even 16, and it's there are bad rules there pain. too. Yeah. Um, so basically, you're trying like the, going to a job would absolutely help inculcate young people with more maturity early on, and they are prohibited legally from doing that. So the whole system, from top to bottom, is designed to keep young people childlike and immature. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. 